Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online, and we need your help with something. What's that? Keeping our show on the air. As the show grows, so do the costs of producing it and distributing the audio of Real Ghost Stories Online, the very thing that you listen to probably on a regular basis. So if you listen to the show regularly, we ask you to become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. We'll give you even more episodes of Real Ghost Stories Online to listen to in exchange for your support. It's only $5 a month, and you can sign up at realghoststoriesonline.com. Your support is what keeps our show going. Plus, we'll give you access to all of the past EPP bonus episodes of Real Ghost Stories Online, jam-packed with some of the creepiest stories we've ever gotten in, and exclusively for EPPs, more than 30 full episodes. Thanks for helping keep Real Ghost Stories Online on the air. Without your support, the show couldn't go on. Sign up now to be an EPP, extra podcast person, on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. And thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. And today a listener shares why she feels the barn where she keeps her horses may hold more than live animals. A woman moves in with her future husband, but shares a little-known feature that came with his apartment. A family is terrorized by a toddler's favorite toy, and we hear a story of a Christmas gift that kept on giving. Those stories, your calls, and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hi. I wonder what the Christmas gift that keeps on giving is. Did they get a magic genie lamp? No, but you will never guess what it is. Interesting. Yep. And of course, the first thing I was thinking about with the first headline was Herschel and what he was keeping in his barn. <laughs> yeah, no, not exactly the same thing. Not quite? There's no. no walkers in the barn? No. Okay. I miss Herschel. He was my favorite. That really was the, uh, the I think, the most difficult death on uh, on The Walking Dead. Besides the, the moment where you thought that possibly Judith was eaten. I hated it. I was going to be done with the show. I was over that. I think they realized that, and I I think that they would turn so many people away if Mm -hmm. they had the child be eaten. So I think if, if anyone has a past that will live forever on that show, it's Judith. Yeah. Although she will never be offed. Now, Carl, on the other hand, I could see them offing. Really? I could see it because you have a storyline that has to make sense as far as time frame. Mm -hmm. And he's gone from being a 10-year-old to now an 18-year-old, essentially. He's not that much older. In in real life, I think he's like 50. He's close to being 18, I think. He's like, yeah. Maybe in real life, but on the show, he's like 13, 14. That's the thing, though. Yeah. You can only play a 13 or 14-year-old for so long before it's just like, okay. I don't think he's that much older in real life. Well, the thing is, the the phonetic timeline of the show has not been the reality of, of how little he was to how big he is now. Okay. They haven't, like, gone off for, like, five years and all of a sudden they're back. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. So, at some point, they're going to have to do that, you know, or he's going to have to be offed. No, they're not going to off Carl. Or, or Carl, or the actor, is going to find something like, oh, 
I'm uh, moving on to bigger and better roles. I could see that. And that's how he's going to be offed. At some point, I think he will be offed, unfortunately. And then three years later, he'll come back with his own show. Okay. Or maybe he'll, he'll just disappear. Okay. I don't know. There's somebody. I, I analyze the show too much. You do. Anyhow, this is Real Ghost Stories Online, not The Walking Dead. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number to uh, call and, of course, share your real ghost story with us. You can also write in through the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Let's uh, kick things off today with a letter from Rebecca. It says, hey, guys, my name is Rebecca. I'm from Miami, Florida. Really hope this gets to you and you can read it. Just wanted to start by saying that I love your show so much. Both of you as hosts are amazing and fun to listen to, along with all the stories. I usually listen to the episodes at my office job or while I'm out cleaning pastures at the barn or while I'm working with my horses. Currently... I'd started uh, back with the very first episode, and I'm working my way through the backlog to the newest episode, so hopefully by the time I get to the new ones, you might have gotten to this and read it on the air, which would be awesome to hear. So she'll be hearing this around Christmas if she's starting. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be a real surprise for her. It will be like, oh yeah, I did write into that show a long time ago. Um, I'm actually listening to the episode from, oh, she's up to September already. Okay, September 18th, 2014, as I type this. Unfortunately, or maybe unfortunately, unfortunately, maybe Maybe fortunately, I do not have an actual ghost story, but I wanted to talk to you about uh, what you said about when you were a kid and would see things like zombies. I do this to myself all the time, even now at 23 years old. I'm always scaring myself and seeing things in shadows when I'm alone at certain places. Like the barn where I keep my horses. I don't know much about the history, and I know it's not very old, but about 10 years ago, All the animals living there were taken from the owner due to abuse and neglect, and many of them had died. Now there's a new owner, but they say the barn is haunted. When you're there alone, they say you hear horses walking on the aisleway and things like that. I once thought I heard something, but it ended up being the baby goats literally bouncing off the walls. Anyways, my point is one night I was alone there, about to leave after feeding. I just turned off the lights to walk out and looked down one of the aisles. It was pretty dark, and I swear I saw some kind of black figure crawling towards me in the dark. It reminded me a lot of the demon creature from the movie Annabelle, but anyways, long story short, I ran, got in my car, and left. I'm pretty sure I was seeing things, but you never really know, right? So I wasn't going to stay to find out. Anyways, thank you for reading my story. I hope it was easy to read. I know I can ramble a lot. I would think with that much dark energy, she probably really did see something that wasn't an animal. Yeah, or the ghost of an animal. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, I ghosts, I don't believe, are necessarily exclusive to humans. Yeah. I think anything that's living or, or had, you know, an energy you know, at some point and is offed or dies or whatever, um, it, you have the potential for it to be a, a haunting. And not necessarily something evil, but just that same entity. Sure. You know, going back as a... Uh, and especially in a situation like that where there's all, you know, the, the stress that those animals must have been under mm-hmm. in that situation with the former owner, a lot of negativity there. A lot of really just primal darkness. Yeah. So... Yeah, I would believe you probably saw something. I know it doesn't make going there any easier now. <laughs> no, it doesn't. You know, it kind of reminded me of something that happened in this area. Um, it wasn't abuse, but what happened was there's a town not too far from here, and they have, like, 
their own little downs where they do horse races and things like that. Mm -hmm. And a few, probably five or six years ago now, the actually the stable caught fire in the middle of the night and like 20 horses died but they rebuilt in the same place Mm -hmm. and it just kind of makes you wonder could there be the sounds of those horses you know sure still in and that new barn and it's interesting because you add to the mix you know an animal ghost with animals and animals seemingly being more sensitive than people in most cases too those sorts of things. So you have to wonder if those animals in, you know, those barns are, are also experiencing all that. And I wonder if, if at some point, if it is like a common occurrence to mm-hmm. animals when there is something, if it, they're in a haunted location, if at some point they just kind of make peace with it and they're no longer like startled by it or staring at it, it's just like, yeah, it's another animal. Yeah. I wonder if they just sense that it's another animal. Yeah. If it's not an, uh, you know, out of the ordinary, mm-hmm. where a lot of dogs, cats, insert animal here, gets all, oh, you know, preoccupied. What's this? This is not normal here. Right. But if it's a daily thing, yeah, it's just part of the setting. Yeah. 855-853-4802 is our phone number. Anthony writes in, Hi, my name's Anthony from Brooklyn, New York, and I've been listening to your amazing show daily for the past few months. Well, to start off, I guess you can call my story a series of unimportant events that eventually revealed itself to be actually paranormal and not a childish imagination running wild. My family moved into an apartment when I was one year old, which my mother still lives in today, 25 years later. Growing up in that apartment, my earliest memories have been weird ones, to say the least. For years, I randomly would see two different entities. One of them would reveal itself as looking like just the bottom train of a young girl's white dress, spinning as if she was dancing, and her dress would flow up. She'd appear uh, always in the same place by the doorway in the living room leading to the bedroom. This would always come followed by a sense of love and comfort. The other entity, on the other hand, wasn't so pleasant. It was a shadow man that would appear out of the corner of my eye. The shadow man felt like an older man who would scowl at me until I would turn my head to look. As per usual with shadow people, that's when they would vanish, giving you a creepy feeling, but never giving you a clear view of it. This happened for years between the two, but only shows itself to me and never to my mom or older sister or brother. They thought I was making it up and would tease me about it. One night when I was 16, I was lying down on my bed after staying up late and was having a hard time going to sleep. Tossing and turning, I was uh, struck with sleep paralysis. I felt light pressure on my chest, and besides that, my body felt as if it was strapped down. Nothing moved but my eyes darting back and forth in the darkness. After panicking for what felt like forever, I prayed. As a single tear rolled off my cheek and hit the pillow, whatever was holding me down let go. A few confused minutes later, a feeling of love poured over me. I knew that it was them playing a game with me. A few years later, when I was in my early 20s, I had my last but my best definitive view of the young girl. Or at least I thought she was. It was her way of saying goodbye, because I had moved out by then. I was standing in the middle of the living room, playing an old game I had left behind for my brother's children to play when they visited my mom. Something caught my attention and told me to look at where she would usually appear. As I turned, I saw a beautiful, tall, blonde woman in a white dress which stopped below her knees with tall heels. 
She was looking at me, smiling, and took two steps before disappearing into the air. As shocking as it was, I couldn't help but smile. I told my mother and sister as soon as they came back home from the store. After years of saying I was seeing something, it was then that my sister told me that before us moving in, an old German couple lived there who had surely by then passed away. Well, that's my story. I'd love to hear it on your amazing podcast. Keep up the great work. Becoming an EPP. Very. So I've got to wonder if your mom still lives in the apartment, and I'm assuming you're still good with your mom, that you go back to that apartment if you have seen or felt anything since. Because if she showed herself as kind of a way of saying goodbye, I wonder if she was moving on and not just you moving out. Yeah, like uh, showing up... uh coming back for the holidays if you will right (laughs) and yeah that's interesting i wonder you know if if she was you know saying goodbye if she the ghost was aware that maybe you would be coming back or really you know thought you know are you gone forever yeah i mean they're they have no way of knowing but i would think after a period of time of seeing him periodically come back they would realize Mm -hmm. that but I, I just couldn't help but wonder if, if that was her last time to show. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to talk about the sleep paralysis a little bit, too, in here. Because, I mean, it sounds like a regular sleep paralysis mm-hmm. experience. I wonder how much, um, you know, because we, we've talked about the the level of paranormal involvement with sleep paralysis. If sometimes entities use sleep paralysis maybe it's you know it's not the entity that's holding the person down it's not the entity that's um making them not able to move but they know that people can be in that specific state and if they do just enough to arouse the ascent the senses of the person to get them into that state that then they can make their presence known you yeah. get what I'm saying? Where it's essentially it's like using what exists in the world naturally to get their their point across or to screw with the individual. Yeah. Without actually being the thing that's holding them down. Well, I think that that in my mind is more of a logical explanation of sleep paralysis and sleep paralysis with a paranormal factor because mm-hmm. so often, yeah, people have sleep paralysis and nothing happens. But when you have a paranormal factor, you know, we've always argued whether or not to lump all of that into paranormal or not. Mm -hmm. So I like what you're saying there. I think that might make more sense that they just get you going just enough that they know Mm -hmm. you can't move. Yeah, I mean, it's it's essentially like if I mean, it's if an entity is going to knock a glass of water off the table, the entity didn't invent the glass or make the glass appear the glass existed Mm -hmm. but it knocked it off the table Mm -hmm. Uh, or or if it's or something of that nature essentially using existing objects or or human situations to their advantage yeah and manipulating it essentially i don't see why not they seem to be able to manipulate just about everything else yeah oh crafty little bastards (laughs) Sammy writes in, Hey, hope this email finds you well. I've written in before about my mom's family being followed by an extremely deviant presence. It seemed to affect them all in similar circumstances. Here's another one of those stories. Well, there was this hand-me-down doll called Baby Giggles and Go that my sister acquired from our Uncle John. 
It was a doll similar to a Cabbage Patch doll that sits within a mechanical baby walker and basically zips around the room. When it hits the wall, it laughs, turns, and moves in a different direction. Oh, and there's a YouTube link. So you can watch the crazy doll. Not their crazy doll, but oh. you can see what that is. Is it like a old commercial for it or something? Or? I don't know if it's a commercial. Okay. Um, the clever toy that provides hours of distractions for toddlers. Well, it was a rather expensive toy, and we were shocked that my uncle was uh, giving it to my sister, even though his daughter had not grown out of it. We quickly found out why. When during odd hours of the night, it would crank up and zip across the floor, powered off and all. When it continued to do this, my frightened parents tossed it into our closet. I and my baby sister shared a room at the time. Well, every other night it would giggle. Obviously, my sister was freaked out about it and didn't play with it. As time progressed, its giggle would sound drained and slightly evil. Me and my siblings would laugh at it and toss toys into the closet to shut it up. One night when my mom was helping us clean the room, it darted out of the closet. With her already in a bad mood, this seemed to push her over the edge. She picked it up and angrily started unscrewing the battery compartment. She mumbled that the damn thing would laugh while I was at school and she had forgotten it was in the closet. When she finally got it open, she dropped it, looked at me and cursed, which was always fun to hear my mom use a bad word. Amid the evil laughter that escaped the toy, she angrily said, I don't understand. There are no batteries in this shit. She walked over to the phone, called my uncle, Asked him about it, and he laughed and responded with, Yeah, we figured it was just us, and it would stop if we gave it away. No one here could sleep at night, so we removed the batteries and figured it was a malfunction. But there were no batteries in it for a year, and it still moved and laughed. My mom, overly religious despite her sailor mouth, told him to never bring anything like that into our home. We sat it on top of the trash can near the street and watched as our annoying neighbor children nabbed it and ran. They moved a few months after that, and we often joke that it was probably because of that damn doll. <laughs> I like that. It's a great story. <laughs> um, I'm not... I'm pretty sure. I'm not an expert, but I don't think a toy would hold a charge for a full year. No, uh, and it wouldn't really hold a charge for five minutes no. if it, you know once it got going I mean you could probably get a a quick one gig a lot of it uh-huh. after you take the batteries out if the charge is there but after that it's done you're not going to get anything else I love the part where it came out of the closet it just came zooming out <laughs> and a mind of its own uh. I wonder how how often um, haunted objects end up in people's hands because they're picked up out of trash oh I will think twice before I I mean, I I don't make a habit out of picking stuff up off the side of the road, but occasionally you'll see something like an old chair that just needs to be like an old wooden chair with a yeah. wooden seat, reupholster the seat, paint it. It's cute. Yeah. And it's like a refurbished kind of craft project or yeah. something of that nature. Yeah. Sure. But I'm not getting anything out of anybody's roadside dump anymore. Maybe there's a reason that chair is at the end yeah, of the Yeah. I think about that now. It's... Uh, it's interesting because sometimes you do when you're, you know, it, we don't really have that in this city, but uh, a lot of cities have like the citywide cleanup day where they allow um, 
people to put just all of their large and oversized junk at the end of the driveway. Uh-huh. And then the city comes around and picks it all up. It's a day you can get rid of like old TVs and, and everything without having to go find a place to take it. Oh. Um, and that's an always an interesting thing just to drive around town. I would do that. <laughs> as a kid just to see I mean, because my mom was one of those you know even before it was the in thing to do um, you know essentially repurposing yeah stuff you know just like you said like with a chair or something mm-hmm. like that she would find those things and make you know crafts out of them or whatever you know she was the the queen of, of doing that sort of stuff and finding interesting uses for other people's junk if you will um, but uh, it would be always interesting the things that you would find at the end of of people's driveways and you have to wonder sometimes why is this here right there's a lot of that where it's like this really looks like it's in really good shape i mean i i get somebody not wanting something or getting rid of it but if there's like you could make money on it or something it's like why 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 just throwing it away especially there's like a large value to it I think a lot of people put stuff out just because they don't want to deal with it. Sure. Or they're trying to create more space. So they might have something that's still perfectly fine, but they don't want to deal with the garage sale or putting it up on even Craigslist. So it's just, it's out there by the curb. Yeah. You know, I guess, you know, we do that from time to time with some stuff. You know, it just kind of depends what. Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah. And and I'm looking back to when I'm just thinking of those memories of childhood and wandering around looking at people's junk. Craigslist didn't exist back then. Sure. It's much easier today to get rid of stuff that you don't want um, and find a taker for it. Right. You know, for free or, or for very, very little money. Interesting stuff. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number. Uh, is this uh, the name? Liani? Laney? Laney. Laney? Okay. L-A-I-N-I-E. Laney. Okay. There we go. All right. Dear RGS team, we should get shirts with like... A shoulder patch? A shoulder patch that says RGS in really big... <laughs> <laughs> RGSO, actually, Google Stories Online. This is my first time writing to you as I recently found uh, your podcast. So far, I've been enjoying hearing everyone's shared experiences and your commentary on the events. I have a lifetime of being aware of supernatural occurrences and perhaps even attracting them. Though I am uncomfortable with the term and its implications, I've been called a sensitive and also psychic. I did not learn that this was something that ran in my family until I was an adult. As I said, it makes me uncomfortable, and I'm not sure I consider any of it a gift, as many people sometimes refer to such things. Needless to say, I have many stories, however. I was just listening to the podcast that included the story of the haunted claw foot tub. You both mentioned how everyone has memories of their first haunted apartment. This prompted me to share a story with you. Though I have a few, I'll share this one for now. It is the shortest. When my husband, we call him Michael, thought uh, that uh, is though that's not his real name, and I first began dating about uh, 12 or so years ago, he moved to a new apartment. It was actually the attic of a house owned by an elderly couple who converted the space into a small one-bedroom apartment for extra income. The house was next door to the town's funeral home, which was still owned by Michael's new landlords. But the couple was now retired and leased the business to another undertaker and funeral director. These two buildings were quite close together, only separated by a small alleyway. When I first came to the apartment, I immediately turned to Michael and blurted out, They used to prep bodies in the basement here. He brushed off my statement, laughing at me, and then refused to talk about it anymore. 
Michael was not really a big believer in such things, though. Being married to me after all this time has altered his viewpoint a bit. I let the subject drop, even though I knew I was right. The feeling was so strong as to be almost a nagging at the edge of my thoughts, but I tried my best to ignore it and not bring up this taboo conversation. However, as Michael and I began to spend more time together, including overnights, I could not ignore the overwhelming presence of someone around the apartment. After Michael had lived there for a few months, he called me in the middle of the night, somewhat unsettled, asking if he could come spend the night at my house. Of course, I said yes, wondering what had upset him. This was completely out of character for him. Once he was at my apartment a few hours later, Michael told me about a dream that he'd had that night. Something else to understand about this is how odd it was. It was that Michael never remembered his dreams. Never. That has changed over the years of being with me. On this particular night, Michael had gone to bed as normal with his bedroom door open. Sleeping with the door to the bedroom open was something I would not do whenever I spent the night, insisting that the door be closed. I was simply not comfortable with the door open and noticed that when we closed it, the room felt better and I was able to sleep easier. On this particular night that he called me in the middle of the night, Michael had had a nightmare and remembered it in perfect detail. In his dream, zombies were trying to break into his house and he was trapped in his bedroom pressing the door closed with his legs as he had fallen on the ground. He recalled with vivid detail the sounds of the zombies scrabbling at the door, seeing their hands and arms begin to break through the wood and feeling terrified, knowing they were going to overwhelm him at any minute. Just as the zombies began breaking through the door and pushing it open, he woke up. To his surprise, he was lying on the floor in front of the bedroom door, pushing it closed with his legs. Understandably, he was pretty freaked out. He stayed a few days at my house, and then we went back to his apartment. We spent a night with no real issue, but I stayed longer the next day. I could feel that I was not alone and was being watched. I cannot speak for anyone else who may have gifts like this, but for me, I rarely physically see things. I am not complaining about that. For me, it is a feeling so strong that I get a picture in my mind's eye as if you were remembering something or recalling a dream. What happened next was exactly that. I could see a man standing in the middle of the living room. He was middle-aged, dressed neatly in a suit like one might be buried in, with a bow tie. While I did not feel threatened by him in particular, I was not too keen on anyone, seen or unseen, being in the apartment with us. Soon I addressed him out loud, politely but firmly. I told him this was our space and... While this man may be around, I never wanted to be aware of him, see him, or feel his presence. And they made a more general clearing of all other things, and Michael never had those dreams again. While I would still occasionally feel we were not alone and continued to insist that the bedroom door be closed when we were sleeping, the atmosphere remained tolerable. I later moved in with him, and we continued to live there for another year, though I did not press the point... I still believe that the landlord either had originally run the funeral parlor out of the downstairs of the house, or at least had a basement area connected to the funeral home. One way or another, I still felt that the dead bodies had been prepared for for funerals and burials somewhere in the house. Michael was a teacher at the high school in town and taught the grandchildren uh, of the elderly couple and, uh, and thought the and taught the grandchildren of the elderly couple we rented from. 
During a free period in one of his classes, a general conversation was being had amongst the students about if hauntings were real and other general creepy topics. One of the grandchildren spoke up and shared how none of the kids, meaning the other grandchildren, liked going down to the basement of their grandparents' house. As they were growing up, the front part of the basement near the house was where the extra refrigerator and other storage were located. The sodas and snacks were kept here, and the kids would often be told to go grab drinks for everyone. They'd always fight over who had to go because they were afraid to go down into the basement, since on the other side of the main room of the basement was a partition wall separating the basement from where their grandfather prepped bodies when he was the town mortician. Apparently, there was a small underground hallway that ran under the alleyway and connected the lower level of the funeral home to the main house. The back part of the basement was the workroom, where the deceased were embalmed and made ready for funerals and burials. So I had been right all along, and bodies really were prepped in the house. Needless to say, my husband was shocked and a little spooked when he shared this with me. I felt a little sorry for him, actually, since this was his first real brush with paranormal or psychic phenomena, where it is all old hat to me. It was just the first of many experiences that would lead my husband to believe me when I have a feeling or other sort of uh, presentation. Thank you for sharing my story. If you do, and I look forward to sharing more of my experiences with you and your listeners. Sincerely, Lainey. A fellow Wisconsinite. I live near Madison. (laughs) I am glad she called it, and I'm glad he was able to be the one that found it out. Because I think it meant more than her being like, hey, I talked to the landlord and yeah, he used to prep ba- ba- bodies in the basement. Yeah. The way he found out and then realizing, oh, she knows stuff. That would be an interesting uh, moment with your teacher. Uh-huh. You know, when uh, like, uh, I wonder like if he revealed it to them that anything had happened when the kids were talking about that or if, or if he just got really quiet at his desk. Yeah. <laughs> Started going through email or something. <laughs> But that would be, uh, it's an interesting, it's like a movie, mm-hmm. you know, the way that that revelation came out to him as far as what was going on there. Could you handle living in a uh, a former funeral home? No, and I say hats off to her for moving in there with him. Sure. Knowing that, because she knew before they had it confirmed. Yeah. And, I mean... I guess if you lived in a funeral home and one of us had to move in with the other, I would beg you to move in with me. But I probably would have ended up moving in with you. I don't. I mean, I. It's interesting. Uh, funeral homes again, another place. A lot of energies expelled. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not a place where people necessarily die all that often. I thought you got to wonder. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sir. I mean, and, and here's why I say that, um, because of. All the emotions being expelled, heart attacks and things of that nature of older folks, of like a, a spouse who's died or something. I wonder if it, if funeral homes actually are a hot spot for death. On site. On site. You don't think of it that way, but you have to think of people are going through a lot. Yeah. And that's a very emotional time. And that is prime picking for someone who, you know is eligible to have a stroke or a heart attack or something to have it right there. Blood pressure is going to be up. Motions are running high. If you have, if you have a, the death of a 
close loved one and every person that you've known coming in and telling you their stories and making it, you know, it's a very difficult time. Sure. I don't know. I just guess I would have thought that obviously you're still kind of in shock and feeling the pain of a loved one that's just died when you're going through the funeral process. Mm -hmm. But I think the initial shock would be what sends people into a heart attack would be finding that out or seeing it happen. And then, you know, kind of by the time the funeral comes, you haven't really settled into that being the new way life is, but you've kind of calmed down from that initial your person that yeah. you loved is dead. It's not usually like a next day thing. You're usually no. about a you know four, five, six, seven days after the event occurred. So you may have not necessarily made peace with it by any means, but you're it, it's it's become more of an accepted fact. It's settled in somewhat. Yeah. Then yeah, you got a point there. I don't know. I just I kind of wonder. And I you know I really have to respect people that do that for a living. That you know that brings so much peace to the family to know that their loved one is looking as they did Mm -hmm. or as close to as they did in life when they're being buried but I don't think knowing how many dead people have been through the house that I could be okay with that yeah be difficult I mean just the emotion level on its own I think could make the house essentially a large battery Mm -hmm. for other things not necessarily the dead people who ever went through there but just other things sure looking for energy to feed off of Uh, Hey, if you like the show, please consider becoming an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. That's what's keeping our show on the air. So if uh, you like it, you want it to continue, become an EPP. It's only five bucks a month. You'll get uh, 31 bonus episodes sent directly to you right away. Uh, So you can binge away on those. Great episodes, by the way. Uh, And then, of course, you get a brand new one every single week. Uh, So uh, please help keep us on the air. Become an EPP. It's only five bucks. It's like the cost of a cup of coffee at uh, wherever you get it. So uh, check it out, realghoststoriesonline.com. Anne writes in, uh, Hail fellow well-met Halloween lovers. Okay, that's an old English saying. It is? Yes. Okay. Not the Halloween lovers part. Hail fellow well-met? Mm-hmm. Sounds like something out of uh, Loud Lang Syne. (laughs) Well, it's kind of, I I guess, it's kind of a a greeting, if you will. It's It's a positive thing. All right. Uh, what a great show. My son turned me on to you guys last October, and I've been hooked since. In turn, I told my younger daughter about you, and she is a listener as well. I recently became an EPP and thoroughly enjoy it. This story involves my oldest daughter when she was a baby. My mother, Nana, used to watch her while we worked. Shortly before my daughter turned two, my mother became sick and died unexpectedly. Of course, it was devastating, and a two-year-old is unable to understand the concept of death. We got through what we needed to and carried on with life. But a month after my mom's death, we were getting ready to go somewhere. My daughter was lying on her back on the couch, and we were putting uh, on her coat. Suddenly, she pointed up at the ceiling and said, Nana, with a big smile. Being paranormally challenged, I saw nothing. We were surprised, but not frightened. We went on with whatever we were doing. Uh, Through her elementary school years, my oldest daughter continued to see my mom and later my grandmother, usually while she was at school. She was never frightened by them, but said they were just there watching over her. Ironically, it is the oldest girl who is most frightened by ghost stories and scary movies, so she'll not be a listener. Maybe the rest of us will make up for it. Thanks for your show and keep it up. 
think that's pretty open and shut when the two-year-old looks up and smiles and says hi to Nana and waves. And he's able to identify mm-hmm. her and not just, hey, something's there. Right. Look, clouds. There's not going to be something on the ceiling that just happens to look like grandma. I like the term paranormally challenged. That was fun, too. Sure. It's a new term we can start using on here. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our number. Press subscribe if you would. Whatever platform it is you listen to us on, you'll get all the episodes sent directly to you. Very convenient. Don't have to search for us every time. Uh, Here's another letter. Uh, It says, hi, I recently became a fan. My story starts up in Worcester, Massachusetts. I have a client there um, in my commercial uh, production business. Uh-huh. And I, that's how I knew how to say it. But they, they kind of say it more like Worcester. Uh-huh. I can, I can never quite do it right. I had to like read it in an ad. It's a haunted house, actually. Oh, cool. That, uh, that they have there. Um, I think House of Terror? House of... I, I should know this. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's a very strong accent on the, the word. So I apologize if I said it wrong, but I think I'm kind of close. You went for it. It's not Worcester. No. It Worcester. 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 Um, you did it right and now you're screwing it up. Probably. Okay. Probably. Anyhow. Continuing on, in a home my wife and I moved into. As soon as we'd gotten comfortable in this home, we noticed little noises here and there, which we initially brushed off as the house being old and possibly mice. It wasn't until one night both my wife and I were lying in bed and both couldn't sleep for some reason, so we both decided to turn on the TV. After an hour or so, we'd finally gotten tired enough to fall asleep. An hour of sleep, I woke up to my wife pinching my thigh to wake me up under the blankets. As I make it known to her that I'm awake, she whispers to me, Someone just walked to your side of the bed. I don't want to turn around to see who. As I get ready to turn around, I can feel the blanket lift and an ice-cold finger run up my back. I know it's so cliche. And I was instantly paralyzed for a moment before quickly turning around to find nothing there. Our TV was still on, so there was some light in the room, or at least enough to see someone in my corner. And there was absolutely no one there. A few weeks later, my sister came over for a weekend, and as we're sitting in the living room, we hear talking coming from the other room between two women. I know people always say that it could have been people outside, but everyone knows the difference between outside a window and in the next room. Anyways, we decided to get up and go check it out. And as we did, the bedroom door slowly started to close. I reached out to open it back up and nothing. So we went to go sit back down, and right before I pushed play on the remote, we heard a woman's voice as clear as day say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to be rude, right by the door. Now, we aren't really scared at all, but it's still very odd. We have more experiences with her, but I feel this one is far too long already. I think that's the most polite ghost we've had that we've talked about. Yeah, when it's apologizing and uh, uh, being cognizant of uh, her manners, too. (laughs) Yeah. It's interesting. I'm I'm assuming, you know, probably fairly non-threatening entity there, just kind of sharing the space. Mm -hmm. That would probably be one where if you did say to it, hey, we can coexist, please don't show yourself to me, and uh, please don't, uh, you know, make yourself known in any way. We'll We'll be cool. And they'd probably comply. I think so. I think I'd be very comfortable having that conversation with that ghost. But being such a polite ghost, I'd almost be like, yeah, I'm going to see what happens. See what else, you know. Just you would to have rattle its cage? I wouldn't rattle its cage. No, I. but I don't think I would necessarily be telling it to go away. 
No. Or, or to not make itself known to me. Oh, I see what you're saying. That would be one you'd feel safe to let hang around just to see what that's like. Yeah, just to have the experience. Because oh. it's like, yeah, you're probably not anything bad and you're not going to do anything to really freak me out intentionally. I may hear some voices. Some doors may close on their own. That's kind of neat. Adds a little excitement to the day. <laughs> okay. I was thinking you meant you were going to try and push it to see how you make it mad. And oh, it's no. going to go from like the librarian ghost to the monster at the beginning of Ghostbusters in like a second. Oh, no, I didn't. I I, I think you can do that. I don't think I'd want to do that. Uh-huh. You know, I think the idea of trying to anger any sort of undead spirit is uh, not ever a really good idea, whether it's uh, human or not. Yeah. Uh, not usually the uh, the best of ideas. Uh, yeah. But I would I'd let that one hang out. <laughs> Play Candyland or something together. Uh, 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call into Real Ghost Stories Online. Hi, Tony and Jenny. This is my first time writing in. Love the show, and I listen to you both every single night. I'm trying to spread the word and gain more followers of the show and more EPPs, as I would be insanely distraught if you guys ever went off the air. Well, thank you so much for that. EPPs are what we need to keep it on the air, so uh, please continue spreading that word okay thus begins my terrifying tale of horror so my husband neil and i are very much uh, into antiques and old oddities our home looks like an antique shop taxidermy old furniture record players the works it all started in late november of 2014 i do taxidermy as a hobby and found an early 1900s doctor bag on ebay with little compartments for my taxidermy tools cotton wiring etc it was perfect I hinted to my hubby that I really would love this uh, to add to my collection for Christmas. He purchased it without me knowing as a surprise. I had a feeling I knew it was uh, when a rather large box arrived in the mail around the first week of December. Around that time, when it arrived, it was placed under the tree and the craziness of the holiday season had begun. My husband and I began getting under each other's skin more often than not. Needless to say, the holidays do bring on added stress, but we have a great marriage and hardly ever quarrel. Usually a fight ends rather quickly when we start laughing at one another and roll it off and move on. Tension was high in the house, and we have two dogs as well. They would not go near the tree and would run quickly past it when they needed to cross the living room. Christmas soon came and we exchanged gifts. I already knew which gift was in the large box, and I was so excited to open it and began stuffing my next deceased creature. That night, I placed the beautiful old black leather doctor bag on the top of my desk in the bedroom, which is where my collection of oddities resides. It was the perfect addition. We were winding down for the night, and I was in the bedroom, changing, when I got the feeling of something else in the room with me. Neil was in the living room watching TV. I called for him to come here as I was frozen in fear and my nerves were shaken. To not look like a nut job, I just asked him to sit with me and then I scared myself. We're both sensitive. My husband is strictly visual, but he does not like to talk to me about it. And he has, uh, it has bothered him since he was a child. I'm emotionally based and intuitive to feelings only. I sometimes wish I was visual, as I'd love to hone in on this skill. I can't describe it other than the feeling that someone else was in the room. We then went on with our nights. Bedtime was when things got strange. I woke around 2.15 a.m. to my husband talking in his sleep, which I've only heard him do once or one or two times. 
He was mumbling, and I thought he was talking directly to me. So I said, Honey, what? What's wrong? He mumbled. Shh, I'm talking to the doctor. My heart sank. I repeated, Babe, what? He then sat up, eyes closed, pointed to the corner where the bag was placed on my desk, and said, Shit, I'm talking to the doctor. Then he lay back down and went to sleep. I put on some family guy to calm my nerves and went back to sleep. This happened two more nights in a row, where he would talk in his sleep to someone that was not there. I could never make out what he was saying exactly. I brought this up to him, and he had no recollection of doing any of this, and he was bothered. The tension in the house continued, and we had only a few really terrible fights that all happened in, or near in the bedroom. The second we left the house and ran an errand or went to work, we were fine. No fighting. Only in the house, and it was getting worse. The dogs would not go into the bedroom anymore, and the energy just felt heavy and, cloud, and like a heavy and dark cloud. I talked to my husband about the bag and said, Okay, we need to figure out if there's something attached to this damn bag. We both emailed the eBay seller asking more about the bag and got no response. We sat down with the bag in our hands one night and really tried to focus on its energy. Neil immediately put it down and said, I do not like this thing. It was not demonic at all, but very negative. I picked up human, but with a dark past, tragic and pissed off. Every time we walked into the bedroom, we did not feel alone. Gave off a short, a sort of vibration, if you will. We began sleeping on a blow-up mattress in the living room and still felt the presence coming from the bedroom. It was almost like when a guest is staying at your house. You know that they are in the other room and can sense them there. This is what it felt like. We decided Christmas gift or not, and expensive or not, it needed to go. We found a local antique dealer in Old Town in Orange, California that would buy it from us. We sold it. My husband did not even like touching the thing. It made him very nervous. I then smudged the whole bedroom and the rest of the house and walked around with my Bible praying. I did this for a few days to make sure the area was cleansed. The house felt back to normal and we went back to sleeping in the bedroom. Needless to say, this was the worst Christmas gift ever. But we had no idea this would have turned into almost two months of hell. I know Neil has some stories for you guys if he can muster up the darkness and uh, put them into words. I've got uh, some wifey convincing to do. I love you guys and the show. Please don't go anywhere. I hope you enjoy my tale, and I cannot wait to hear today's stories. Take care, you two. Love, Britt. I thought that was a great story. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if the doctor's bag, because the doctor has to carry that just about everywhere with him, if that attachment to him was what was, you know, haunting... Or if it had something to do with the tools that he used being put back in the bag and and that kind of energy. Like an attachment to who the tools were used on? Yeah, because there's got to be a lot of emotion going on if you're having a doctor's tool used on you. And it's more than just checking your heart or your reflex. And we were talking the other day about um, rings and such. Mm -hmm. And this physical objects that you, you keep on to you. And those holding energies, and if you're likely to go through an antique store, what's going to be the items that are most likely haunted? I could see this too. Yeah. I mean, I think it's right in, in line with it. I mean, although it's not like constantly there, but it's there in a very emotional moment. Sure. You know, and 
conscious or not conscious, your body is aware that something is going on. Um, and I think that that transcends, you know, the consciousness. Oh, yeah. But then getting stuck on those tools. I, I, I would it'd be so amazing if there was a way that that things like that could be measured. Really? You know, if you could take a ring or you mm-hmm. could take a scalpel or whatever, you know, insert object here and somehow measure and energy level is the only word I can come up with. I'm sure it's probably something else, but essentially measure that and you know, take an object that has should have no charge to it, you know, fresh out of the factory, nothing, no history, nothing, and then measure something that's been on someone's hand for the past 50 years mm-hmm. and, and be able to tell whatever that level is. Well, and you got to think about a doctor's bag. Yes, the doctor saw all sorts of things and did all kinds of things, but that all died with him, but that doctor's bag was there too. You know, it was there when people died, obviously. It was there when people were born. It's when people died being born. You know, all those emotional things there. I also liked um, uh, the comment where they said that they they tried to contact the seller back and asked some questions. No response. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I bet if the person they sold it to contacted them, there might not be a response either. I bet if they had listed the thing as haunted, it would have gone for more money. You think? Yes. I do think. And I think that's actually a tactic that a lot of people are using right now on eBay. You see like little snippets here and there and like some lifestyle type, you know, websites like, ooh, haunted dolls or haunted this on eBay. Uh It's like, yeah, you put the word haunted in front of it. And I I suspect probably 99% of the listings that are listed as haunted on eBay are not haunted at all. Do you have to, if you were selling something like this doctor's bag that does legitimately cause things to happen, do you have to have like a disclaimer or something that they have to sign when they buy it? Like all sales final at your own risk, take it home. I don't want to ever see it again. Probably. Yeah. Probably. It'd be funny. Like, and I'm sure some people like put up like their certificate of authenticity, like really haunted certified by me, you know? Sure. eh, So I don't know. (laughs) There's a lot of that stuff out there. Anyway, if you like the show, please help keep us on the air. Become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. Five bucks a month is all it takes. You get 31 bonus episodes, exclusive video, all sorts of fun stuff. So check it out. uh, Realghoststoriesonline.com. That is important because that's what is keeping the show going. We need you to be an EPP. Uh, to keep this thing alive. So check that out, realghoststoriesonline.com. Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online.